0: I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. It's entitled, How to Handle Stress in the Moment. And I introduced it on last Sunday. Of course, this is the faith series for the summer of 2015. And... um during the summer months, I always talk about faith, understanding how to develop it, how to live by it, and what we should do regarding our relationship towards God. On Sunday last, we looked at really what um, the whole idea and the definition of stress and then what the word moment actually means. Moment of uh, being a uh, short period of time or short season in time when you talk about it from that perspective. But then also in physics, they are called uh, force moments, which has to do with power, authority, strength, when things um, happen in an instant, when there is a surge of force or power. Also in physics, there's the balance moment, and that's when you have the man walking the tightrope, and he's teetering the stick from side to side, in order to keep his balance. And so when you're on a tightrope in life, or when when you need balance, when you need to understand balance, when you need to understand a certain surge in force, those are called in physics moments. So when I use the subject, how to handle stress in the moment, I'm not just talking about moment in terms of time, but also in terms of force and balance. In order to do that, On today, I need to read from the book of Daniel, and I want to um, invite your attention to Daniel chapter 3. As you're finding that, of course, June we've declared as Lobby Month. We moved in here in the month of May, and um, we're still recovering from the fire. We lost a lot of our furniture, a lot of our things, and this month we're working together to furnish out the lobby. And so we need your support in that area as uh, you can. And we'll be talking to you about that as this week goes along um, this coming Tuesday. Book of Daniel, chapter 3, is one of the most familiar Old Testament stories. Daniel, chapter 3. And I'm going to talk about this matter of handling stress in the moment. Would you say that with me, please? How to handle stress in the the moment, And today I want to talk about finding faith in a furnace. Daniel chapter 3, the first three verses. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubit and the breadth there of six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now you know from that very verse that Nebuchadnezzar set up an idol god. Three score is 60. 60 cubits was the uh, height and then six cubits was the breadth. Six in the Bible is the number for man, for humanism, because man was created on the sixth day. Seven in the Bible is the number for God because the Hebrew word for seven means to be perfect, to be complete, to be entire, to want nothing. Six is short of seven. This God that Nebuchadnezzar set up is an idol god, 60 cubits tall, six cubits in breadth. Verse 2, then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together, together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, and treasurers, the counselors, and sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the province were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now if you move down to verse number 13. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you are not serving my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sack, but the psaltery, the, du- the duke, and all the music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able. Would you say he is able? Yes, to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and we will and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, be it known unto you, O king, but if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we, that we, that we will not, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and his form. Uh, his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, he spake and commanded that they should he- heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men in their army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the furnace of fire. And then these men were bound in their coats, in their hosen, and their hats, and the other garments, and were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. And therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace was exceeding hot. The flame and the fire slew the men that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. He rose in haste, spake, and said to his counselors, Did not we cast in... Three men bound in the midst of the fire. And they answered and said to him, True king. He answered and said, Lo, I see now four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now I want to talk about this using this classic story with an understanding of what it means to find faith in an obscure circumstance. In this particular case, a furnace, a fire. What is this story about? Of course, it comes from a background of slavery and idol worship. When Babylon was led by Nebuchadnezzar, the background of it has to do with Jewish people, covenant people, enslaved, and these three men in particular. But the whole point of it has to do with the stress of being yourself Under pressure. Can you be yourself. Under pressure. When stress comes in. Do you lose your identity. Do you know who you are. Do you lose yourself. In a moment of panic. Can you maintain who you are. In a sudden moment. When you get bad news. When you're called into the office. When you're fired or laid off, when the doctor says it's incurable, do you hold on to your identity? Now there's a word that we don't see it here, but we do find it in Matthew and Jesus' teaching called persecution. Can you say persecution? Jesus talked about persecution. He taught about it. We don't talk about it much today. Paul talked about persecution. But when you talk about stress, the word persecution has to come up because you're either being persecuted by some human enemy or some spiritual enemy or some emotional enemy that causes stress. And the word persecute really means to pursue. It's the idea that you are being pursued, that you're being chased in order to find out what you may be doing wrong or where you are wrong. And so we see persecution at work with these three men. Now, stress is designed to break you, and you have to maintain your personhood and your strength under stress. A lot of people fall apart when they get bad news or when life gets difficult. We have one identity at church. We have another identity under stress. We have one identity when we're in Bible study or prayer, but we take on a whole different persona. When we're under stress, the reason why God allows stress to come in is to confirm your identity. Stress is a test. The test is there to confirm persecution was taught by Jesus because God uses persecution in order to bring the best out of his people. We have to understand that we were born again. Being born again, we are like babies growing up. Growing up, we need discipline. We need correction as well as instruction. And we must be tested from time to time. When a loving mother or father gives a child an assignment, that is a test of their obedience. If they fail the test of obedience, there is discipline that would take place afterward. Something as simple as putting away toys or putting away uh, balls or something as simple as cleaning a room is really a test. The mother could do it herself, but she tests the obedience of the child. If the child is disobedient, a discipline sets in in order to work obedience into the child's character. I wish I had a witness. That's what the loving Heavenly Father does. He gives us assignments that we don't like. He allows us to walk into situations that we feel overwhelmed. He puts us in situations that we cannot control. Or he puts us under people that we cannot control. And he puts us there as a test of obedience. Anybody can obey when it's convenient. Anybody can obey when they enjoy the assignment. Anybody can obey when they like what they have to do. But when you find yourself in a position... Where you don't like it, it is uncomfortable, you don't feel that you're being treated fair, you don't understand why other people got it more easily than you did, you don't understand why your health is failing, you don't understand why your job is closing down, you don't understand what you've done to deserve it. That degree of stress is a training process. These men did nothing to be thrown in a furnace of fire, but they were thrown in and God didn't keep them out. They were thrown in and God didn't prevent it. Have you ever felt like God could have prevented whatever's happened in your life? Have you ever felt like whatever's going on with you, if you had prayed a different prayer? Or if you had done a different word. Or if you had heard a different preacher. Or gone to a different church. Maybe this wouldn't have happened to me. But the truth is that as a child of God, you're under construction. So I want to talk to you first of all about the reality of persecution. Can you say that with me? The reality of persecution. Faith is for your problems. Your problems are for your faith. Let me try it again. Faith is for your problems. Why do I have faith? So that I can handle my problems. Why do I have problems? So that I can build my faith. Problems help my faith, and faith conquers my problems. Now, joy is the thermostat of life. That's important to know. It controls how we handle life. Pressure is the thermometer of life. It measures my life. Where my joy level is controls me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Where my joy level is determines how I will respond. Where my joy level is determines how I will react. And the only thing the devil really wants to do is to steal my joy. Because joy and strength are synonymous in a believer's life. How much strength do you have? Show me how much joy you have. How much joy do you have? Tells me how much strength you have. So joy is the thermostat. Are you hot or cold? Are you mediocre? Are you are you in the middle somewhere? Pressure is the thermometer that will determine what your joy looks like. Oh, I don't have a witness here. When the pressure comes, we see what kind of joy you really have. Because joy and happiness are not the same things. Happiness is based on the word happening. So I'm only happy based on what's happening in my life. But I can have joy when ain't nothing happening in my life. I can have joy when the happenings around me are negative. I can have joy when I'm broke. I can have joy when the doctor says it's incurable. I can still have joy when I'm facing with a court proceeding. I can have joy in church. I can have joy in jail. Joy is obstinate. It won't go away. But happiness is seasonal. I don't have a witness here. You get happy if somebody gives you some money you weren't looking for. Or if you win the lottery, don't you wish. You get happy if there's some breakthrough that comes through that you weren't anticipating. You get happy when you have achieved something in life, but you have joy, period. If you know what joy really is. Pressure is the thermometer that lets you know what your joy level is because your joy level is your strength level. I'll get a witness in a minute. Now, I need to say this to you. Whenever there is pressure in your life, it is challenging your identity. Now, whoever you are under stress is who you really are. (laughs) Not who you are when the bills are paid. (laughs) not who you are when when everything is going your way but when you're running against a headwind when you're moving against all obstacles and everything in your life seems like it's trying to stiff arm you and keep you back that's when we know who you really are because here's what the enemy wants to do steal your identity I don't know if anybody here has ever been the victim of identity theft. But understand it's a terrible thing. It takes a lot of time and resources, energy and money to get your identity back. The devil is a thief of identity. You're in the book of Daniel. Go back to chapter 1. I want to show you something. Because when these men were captured from Israel, they were men of God. Men of covenant. Can you say men of covenant? Yeah, they were men of covenant. Daniel 1. They were men of covenant. They were brought into idolatry in Babylon. It didn't recognize God. Didn't recognize Jehovah. Didn't recognize the books of the Bible. The law books. Didn't recognize Moses. These people in Babylon were idol worshipers. These four men are the brightest of the bunch that they capture. But look at the first thing that they did. Now this is in the book of Dan. Verse number six. When Nebuchadnezzar now recognized that these guys were child prodigies, these guys were amazing with anything. They were brilliant. They were brilliant. They were talented. They were gifted. Can you say with me, they were brilliant. Uh-huh. Say they were talented. Yes. Say they were gifted. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you're brilliant. Neighbor, you're talented. Tell them. Don't look at them like you're lying to them. They won't be. Tell them, tell them, neighbor, you're gifted. How do I know you're brilliant? Because you found Christ. And when Jesus was growing up as a toddler, wise men found him. Wise men still seek him. Wise women still seek him. Anybody that finds the Lord, you're brilliant. In a world of distraction, in a world of idol gods, in a world of cults, you still found Jesus. You're brilliant. I know you're talented because God doesn't really make any junk. Anything he makes, he gives it some measure of talent so it can survive. You don't hear what I'm saying. When you were born, you were born with everything you need to survive a head, a heart, and hands. A head to think with, a heart to feel with, and hands to work out what you think and feel. You're talented. You can do something. You maybe can't do what I do, but you can do something. Maybe you can't do the job that other people can do, but you can do something. Go fishing, sell the fish. Become the owner of a fish market. You can do something. Plant uh, vegetables in the ground. Set up a curb market on the side of the road. Farmer's market. You can do something. You're talented and you're gifted because you've got the Holy Ghost. And Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the gift that keeps on giving. I don't have a witness here. The Bible talks about he gives knowledge, he gives wisdom, he gives faith by the same spirit, healing and miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues and interpretation of tongues, teaching, generosity. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit giving long-suffering. You can do something. You've got gifts. The devil wants you to not understand who you are. And in stress, look at what happens. Verse 6, now among these Were of the children of Judah Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. Under Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, the name Shadrach. To Mishael, the name Meshach. And to Azariah, the name Abednego. Why was that important? Look at their original names. Their original names were about God. In the Old Testament, every name that ends in E-L, that's a name for God. El, El Shaddai. Any name that ends in Yah is a name for God. These boys were named after their God. Daniel. I don't have a witness here. Hananiah. Mishael. Azariah. That's why you see the prophets' names in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Joel. They're named after their God. But the first thing the devil wants to do is to steal your identity. The name Daniel means God is judge. The name Hananiah means the grace of God. The name Mishael means that God is strong. And the name Azariah means God is my help. But he changed their names. And when he changed their name to Daniel, from Daniel to Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar means the keeper of the hidden treasure of the god Baal. Shadrach was given to Hananiah. That name means the inspiration of the sun. That they worshipped under the um, time of the Chaldeans. The name Meshael was changed to Meshach. Which is taken from the name of the goddess Shak That they worshipped under the goddess Venus. Azariah was changed to Abednego. And that means the servant of the shining fire. He changed their names to reflect their gods. Because names are important. What you name a baby is important. There's something behind the name. And in covenant relationship, Jesus changed our name. You know, I was growing up in Beulah years ago. They used to sing this old song. I told Jesus it would be all right if he changed my name. And then when they used to chant and moan when deacons would be praying, they had this one moan that said, I didn't do no writing. But my name been changed. I don't have a witness here. Listen, the angels in heaven signed my name. I have a covenant relationship. God is my father and I am his son. But only in stress am I challenged to deny that. Why do people persecute? What's the reason? Now, we looked at the reality. What's the reason for persecution? Well, first of all, it's the lifestyle that we show. Can you say that with me? The lifestyle that we show. Why does Nebuchadnezzar want these boys to bow down and worship his God? Why does he want them to switch gods? Because of the lifestyle that they show. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, listen, you say what you want, but we do not serve your gods. Nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I wonder today if there's still that much conviction in the body of Christ. That people will boldly say to people, no, I don't serve that God. No, I'm not interested in what you're talking about. When you're approached by a Jehovah's Witness at QT, I wonder, do you just take what they give you? Or do you look at them and tell you, I don't serve your gods? I'm not interested in what you're saying. Because we've come into such a time of compromise. Now, I know I won't get any help here, but I'm going to walk this out anyway. Because the church has become too wimpy. We've become conformists. We don't stand for anything, therefore we fall for everything. We don't make our convictions clear like we should. We should let people know right is still right and wrong is still wrong. And it doesn't become part right just because you want to do it and just because you think I shouldn't judge it, I am judging. I have to judge. We live in a time when people say, well, nobody can judge anybody. You must make judgments. How can you live in this world without making decisions? And when it comes to faith, you have to be like these men and say, we will not bow, even though you change my name. You see, the thing about it is I don't know why preachers have always preached these men as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when that wasn't their real names. You know, nobody calls Daniel Belteshazzar. But his name was changed from Daniel to Belteshazzar but these men had their own names. How would you like to be preached on and they call you out of your name? Hananiah, Mishael. Azariah. Those are their names. Never call these men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because the devil gave them those names and then the devil wanted them to sign up to his faith. Let me tell you why, why are we persecuted? Why do we go through trials and stress? Well it's the lifestyle you show. Remember what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth and the what? Let me try it again. He said you are the salt of the earth and the We always talk about salt being a preservative and salt and light being that which illumines darkness. But you know salt stings. Put salt in a cut and see what happens. When you put salt in a cut it what? Salt stings. Your presence is a stinging presence. You get persecuted. You get hated on. You got haters because you have a stinging presence. There's something that sticks out about you. You're different than other people. Peter put it this way. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Salt stings. But not only does salt sting, but light exposes. I don't feel good when I'm around you because you're different. Because you don't don't flow with me. You expose me. You make me feel bad about myself. And so Jesus and Barabbas are put on the balcony on the same night. And Pilate says to the crowd, to the world, which one do you want? And they cry out, give us Barabbas. Because the world always wants somebody worse than they are. People always want to be around people of lower class than they are. People always want to be around people that makes them feel that they're really better than they really are. But when they get around you, you're different. You've got values. I don't have a witness. You've got discipline. I, don't, I wish I had some help. You talk about praising the Lord. When they get around you, you don't flow in the direction that they want you to flow in. Therefore, you get persecution. It's the lifestyle we show. But next of all, it's the lies that we suffer. You're not going to be a child of God and not be lied on. That's going to be natural. You say, I don't know why I don't have any friends. I know why. Because it's your lifestyle and your lies and the lies that they perpetrated on you. They've said things about you and it's hard to be around somebody after you've lied on them so. You suffer that. People lie on you just because you're there. They don't like the way you walk. I don't have a witness here. They don't don't like the way you talk. They don't like the perfume you wear. They, They don't like the way you do your job. They don't like the fact that you're on time. They don't like the fact that you don't complain like they complain. And so there are lies that you suffer. But then not only the lifestyle we show, the lies that we suffer, but the Lord that we serve. Jesus said a part of your salvation package is persecution." It goes with salvation. I don't have a witness. Faith goes with salvation. Prayer goes with salvation. Praise goes with salvation. Persecution goes with salvation. Everybody's not supposed to love you, like you, appreciate you. Everybody's not supposed to care about you. Everybody's not supposed to help you. There are enemies at work against you. So that turns out in... Different ways. Number one, personal insults. Can you say personal insults? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He said men will despitefully use you. He said they will say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. But not only personal insult, but physical intimidation. You know, some people try to face you down. Some people try to put a line in the sand. Some people come against you physically because they don't like your faith. But then there's also social injustice. They won't let you in the club. They won't let you around the clique. They won't let you see the text messages that they've been sending around. I don't have a witness. Eh? That's all a part of persecution. These men were picked out to be picked on. These men were isolated when the king built the statue and said at the sound of the music, everybody bowed and was reported to the king. These fellas won't bow. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was what they called them. Said they won't bow. He said you bring them here. He looked at them and said I've been good to you. I know you're slaves but I've treated you well.
1: This is a part of our custom. This is a part of our system. When in Rome do like the Romans.
0: Is that what they tell you on the job? Is that what they tell you around the community? Is that what they tell you when you go to the family reunion? Do like us. Be like us. We've been nice to you. Be like us. But look at the result of persecution. Now, here's what he did. He said, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And he got so mad, he told them, heat it seven times hotter than it's ever been heated before. The fire was so hot, it burned the men that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Ahananiah, Azariah, and Meshael. It it burned them to death when they opened the door. Talk about cremation and where it started. This is not like the boy up in Bremen that was supposed to have cremated those bodies and had over 300 laying around the house. This is real cremation. The fire never touched the soldiers. The heat from the fire killed the soldiers. Oh, I don't have a witness.
1: As they were throwing them in.
0: And while they were in there, they survived. Here's what the Bible said. The hair on the head didn't even singe. Oh, I wish I had a Bible reader. And not only that, but they were seen walking around in the furnace. Oh, when your enemies get after you, they turn the heat up. They try one thing. If that don't work, they try something else. If that don't work, they'll try something else. If that don't work, they'll try something else. When people get against you, you can do no right. You're wasting your breath arguing with people that don't love you. Oh, I don't have any help here. You're wasting your time trying to make people love you by buying gifts for them. And by doing things that you wouldn't ordinarily do, but you know that's the issue between us. The truth of the matter is, when people get against you, the only thing they want is your destruction. And even if they quiet down for a while, they'll be back. I don't have a witness around here. I wish I was preaching to some people that understood what I'm trying to
1: say. And that is that whenever there is a determination to destroy you, they turned the heat up against you. The fire was heated seven times hotter
0: than has ever been heated before. It burned the soldiers that threw them in. But you know, you know, you know why this is good. Well, the results of my persecution it brings us closer to God. You know why I said that? Because God is a fire God. (laughs) I don't have any help. I don't have I said, God is a fire God.
1: Here's what the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. (laughs) And when John was talking about Jesus, he said,
0: I indeed baptize you with water but one is coming after me that will
1: baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then the Bible said on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when they were all assembled together in one room, there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire that sat upon each of them. I said, God is a fire God. Why is that good? Because, listen,
0: not only does it bring not only does it bring you to God in the fiery furnace it brings the best result out of you what happens when you put gold in fire it gets better what happens when you put silver in fire it gets better I don't have a witness here's what Job said when he was having his stress
1: Job said I look for God but I can't find him if I find him I would sue him I've got papers to serve on him, but I can't serve the summons. But Job said, but he knows the way that I take. And when he is through with me, I shall come forth as pure gold. I'm here to tell you, if you're in the fire, God is just burning the trash off you. If you're in the fire, that stress is just getting the dirt off you. In the fire, that stress is getting all the waste material off of you. In the fire, that stress is getting all of the needless junk out of your life. God is making you a better person. But he can't make you better just by somebody
0: laying hands on you. He can't make you better by pouring olive oil all over your head.
1: He can't make you better by you just running around the church. You got to have some strife. You gotta have a little stress, you gotta have a little tension, you gotta get in the fiery furnace. Check this out. You can deny who you are and say, No,
0: I'm not Ananiah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Meshael, I'm not Azariah, I am Shadrach Meshach, I am a and if they had said that, they would have burned in the furnace, but because they maintained
1: their identity. Because they maintained their integrity. Because they were determined to be who God made them to be. And they were not afraid to be judged or executed. God
0: kept them alive. Somebody in this room right now, you're walking around in a fire. You, it was all you could do to get in church. Your problems are so bad. You feel like you're in a furnace every day. You feel like every which way you turn, you're faced with another crisis, another problem, another moment of stress. Every time you think you've stepped out, it looks like it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. But you walked in here. Wait, what? I didn't say you were wheeled in. I didn't say you were carried in. You walked in here.
1: Because some of us know how to walk in a storm. Some of us know how to walk in a fire. Some of us know how to walk in stress. Now, some folk, when stress hit them, they'll stay at home. I'm not going to church. I don't feel good today. I'm not going to prayer. I don't feel like it today. But those of us that have been through something, we understand that we don't need to hide from God. We need to get closer to God. Because God is a fire God. Hold on. How do I know I'm through? Because not only were they walking around in the furnace, but the king looked through the glass door. He said, Something's wrong in there. We threw in three. Is that right? They say, Yes, sire. He said, But there's a fourth man in there. And he's not an ordinary man.
0: I wish I had my I wish I had my daddy here now. He could preach this
1: text. He said, "But the fourth one looks like the Son of God." Hey, if you're walking in the fire right now, guess
0: what? You ain't walking by yourself. The reason you could walk in here, the
1: Son of God walked in here with you. The reason why you can go to work tomorrow and face your opposition, the Son of God is walking with you the reason why you can do what you gotta do when you go to the doctor's office or the lawyer's office or the bank you're not by yourself the son of God I heard him say Lord I am with you always even till the end of the earth you know their names told a whole story the grace of God. grace was in the furnace with them. the strength of God. The strong God was in the furnace with them. The liar means the Lord is my helper. Oh, yes, He is. He is the helper in the midst of the furnace. And I want to tell you, whatever you're going through, you're not alone. Yes, God is in the midst of the fiery furnace. Hold on to your name. To your favor, to your claim, you're not walking alone. Yes. My time is up. I didn't know my time was up. My time is up. But can I just say it one more time? Yes. Is there anybody here that knows God is? Help the grace of God is walking with you. God is your strength. Why don't you shake somebody's hand. And tell them, neighbor. Oh neighbor. I don't know what you're going through. But here's what I do know. God is with you. God is with you. And I want you to tell him this. If the Lord is for you. That's more than the world against you. If you believe in it, Say yes. Say yes.